0: This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by Lisa Clark, maker of the jewelry accessories and lovely designer buttons that you can find at www.picketcottage.com. Read Lisa's blog at lisaclark.net. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 87 of the Craft Sanity podcast. I'm finally finally done with this episode and so excited to bring you a conversation with Kate Terry. She is the author of a new book that's out called Complete Embellishing Techniques and Projects. This is a great book. When I saw it, it was really pretty exciting cuz Kate actually sent me a copy, an autographed copy that I will keep forever. I am into a lot of different crafts. For those of you out there that are like that, you're going to love Kate's book because it covers embroidery, crochet, trims, felting, Beads, baubles and sequins, applique, fabric printing, painting and etching even. If you're looking in your closet and thinking, wow, I'd really like to have something new to wear, but I can't afford it, Kate to the rescue. Because this book about embellishing is going to give you a lot of ideas of how you can take something in your own closet, refashion it, or just spruce it up, make a couple quick changes, embellish. I mean, that's what this book is all about. Let me tell you a little bit about Kate before we get started here. Uh, Kate is a 31-year-old stylist and crafter who lives in Brooklyn, New York. She's contributed to a number of craft magazines, including Adorn. She was a stylist and crafter for that magazine, which we really miss. I liked Adorn, and I'm sorry that it's no longer publishing. She also has a small line of crafts called This Love Forever, and she'll tell us a story of how she picked that domain name. She sells her work on Etsy and at craft fairs. And let me just tell you, Kate really is a very nice person. I mean, truly. I uh, called her out a couple hours after our interview and said, um, yeah, about that 90-minute conversation we just taped, um, can we do that again? It's an absolute nightmare for me because, and I'm sure it was kind of a nightmare for her too, but (laughs) I had taped 86 episodes of this podcast and never had... A total system failure where I did not have any audio Um, basically what happened is I got off the phone with Kate my computer crashed that don't panic Jennifer you have a backup system and I couldn't get my husband to check fast enough I'm like please check please just tell me it recorded we were on vacation from work and we were heading to a water park with the kids and then I thought oh you know then I can go on with my day and not be freaked out well only two and a half minutes of the 90-minute conversation had recorded on the backup system. We still don't know what went wrong there. However, now I use, like, a backup to the backup. So, yeah. Anyway, Kate was very, very kind. We recorded the interview again. So what you're about to hear is take two. This was our second try at this. And uh, I think we both did a great job the second time. It wasn't so bad the first time. And, again, a special thanks to Kate for being so cool about the redo Stick around after the show, and I will tell you how you can get into a drawing to win a copy of Kate's book, because I actually have an extra copy, so I would love to ship a copy out to a lucky Craft Sanity listener. So let's get to that interview, this long-awaited episode 87 featuring Kate Terry. What I like to do when I have guests on is kind of go back to the beginning and kind of trace a person's creative path to the present day. And I think what the folks at home seem to enjoy about that is they get to learn about these authors and artists that are out there doing some really creative things to inspire us all, and it's really great to hear you know just how people get into what they're they're doing right now, because um, for those who are sitting on the subway right now listening or maybe out running on a trail somewhere or working slaving away in the office, um, listening to podcasts, um, trying to get through a day at work in cubicle city, um, these stories are really inspiring to people, so I would love it, Kate, if you could kind of take us back to where it all started for you and your creative sure. roots. So I'll let you uh, take it from here.
1: Okay. Well, I grew up in Connecticut with a very, very, very crafty mom. So um, basically, you know, it really did start from the beginning for me. I don't really remember even thinking anything was different or, you know, even that unique about, like, making things. It just seemed like that was what people did. Um all of my toys were handmade, and, you know, we would make most of our ornaments on our Christmas tree, and, you know, just everything was handmade, and my mom really encouraged us learning things through craft and, you know, making things with our own hands. And it was just a, a really nice way to grow up.
0: Well, yeah, it sounds like that must have been really just great to have be surrounded by so much handmade stuff. Of course, as a kid... I know looking back at my own childhood There's things I just Really didn't appreciate Until I look back now I'm like wow That was really cool But when at the time Do you remember I mean how did you feel About all the handmade stuff
1: oh, I don't I think the like That part didn't come Until I got um, You know maybe To be like In fifth or sixth grade Where I had to start Maybe competing With other kids You know mm-hmm. When I was really young It was like This is great You know I, I, um, I think I probably Grew up Because my mom Was so crafty and he, um, my mom and my dad were both musicians, um, and my mom was an artist as well. So, so I you said, grew up you said around musicians. a lot of other
0: artsy people. You said you cut out a little bit right there, but you said oh, your parents were...
1: Um, both musicians. Yeah, okay. And, and so, my mom was also an artist. So I, I think I grew up around a lot of artistic people. Mm-hmm. When I was young, I never really saw anything else. There wasn't that feeling that it was like... Oh, all these other kids have Barbies. Why don't I have one? You know, <laughs> you know that yeah. doesn't happen until later.
0: Yeah, well, I think actually there's something really good about growing up without a Barbie. Actually, I think it's rather healthy. Um- <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm, you know, no offense to Mattel, but you know, come on, people, you gotta do something <laughs> about those curves. They're yeah. not realistic.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They you know? have to come up with something better at some point. I mean, those Barbies have been going on forever. Yeah.
0: You know, well, it's funny because I have a workspace downstairs, and I have a picture of, and it was back from oh, geez, I want to say like ninety-seven or ninety-eight. And I'm dating myself back when I was in college. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a they had in Self magazine. They had an ad for I think it was the Body Shop. I want to say, but it was a it was a um, an overweight Barbie in plastic. Oh, I think I remember that. Yeah, and now I, I'm dating myself. Too. Yeah, <laughs> I ripped that I ripped that sucker out and it's I I found it when I was going through my relics, which I do from time to time, you know, to see what have I saved in all these bins and I have that yeah. I have that up in my craft room and um you know, I don't actually do much work down there because it's mostly packed with stuff. But um every now and then I walk in and kind of chuckle and say, yep, that's about the only kind of Barbie that's part of my life at this point is <laughs> 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 the overweight Barbie, you know. But yeah. yeah. So, so, so anyway, so you grew up with toys that were handmade and, you know, just in not really recognizing that that's anything different than all the other kids with the plastic Barbies all over the place. Um, yeah. And at what point, did, do you think, and you said it was about 6th grade, 6th, 7th grade, when you started to kind of realize, like, oh, other kids don't live this way.
1: Yeah, um, we had, a, at that point, we had moved. Um, my parents got divorced, and we moved to um, a town um, in southern Connecticut, um, pretty wealthy town, and, you know, at that point, point, now I'm really going to date myself, but at that point everyone um, had, like, every girl had to have guest jeans and Benetton sweaters
0: yeah I remember that whole face <laughs> I never had a pair of guest jeans but yeah. you know and I kind of thought man that's I think they were like what were they like 70 bucks or something they were, they were pretty, really expensive they were yeah really really expensive and I just thought that's crazy you know, but, yeah. yeah. So, so you didn't have, did you have guest jeans or no? Did you get well, to have I some? Well,
1: I had them, but only because my mom taught me very early that I could go and get them at the Salvation Army. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, so I actually ended up having one of the largest collections of guest jeans and Benetton sweaters, just because I, you know, I knew where to find
0: them for, you know, five bucks. That's awesome. That that's awesome. Yeah,
1: so, so you get to beat my the mom cool kids. a lot of good, uh, Practical advice when I was
0: younger. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and cool. The thing that's kind of neat, too, is that um, secondhand shopping is actually coming back. Um, I just interviewed a woman who, her strategy for back to school to get her kids to go to the um, Goodwill and so forth is to call it, we're going vintage clothes shopping. Oh. (laughs) And the kids, like, totally think that's awesome. But if you say, we're going to a secondhand shop, (laughs) they don't like that. So, (laughs) yeah, that's one to file away. But so you were able to amass a collection and, um, but tell me what happened in school at that point when you were, you know, kind of discovering that you have this, you know, kind of a DIY lifestyle that you're living and other people were maybe more into the materialistic way of life.
1: Um, I mean, I think there was actually a point where I sort of tried to hide it. Um, you know, I would kind of like, you know, it was, just, it was like I wouldn't tell people that I got my you know, all of my designer clothes at a secondhand shop or that, like, you know, things that I had my mom made. Um, So there was definitely a point in my life where I was, where I kind of rejected the whole crafty DIY thing, but it was, it was pretty short-lived. It was like, you know, maybe a year or two in junior high, and then I just kind of gave up because it just felt like it didn't really fit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't really fit, <laughs> so, you know, it's, I mean, it's hard, I think, I'm sure it's hard for anybody, you know, going, I would never, ever want to relive junior high
0: again. <laughs> uh, I can't say but, that I don't want to go back either, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. So, I you know,
1: you find, like, a group of people who are interested in similar things, and, um, you know, you just try and get through it, and, you know, I just, I realized that, I liked making things, and there was really nothing that was going to change that. What,
0: what and, sorts of things were you making at the time?
1: Um, I think a lot of it was, you know, like, altering, like, just slightly altering clothing. Um, I was learning how to sew. My mom was teaching me how to sew. And, um, like, all of my um, bar mitzvah dresses, I had to go to lots and lots of bar and bought mitzvahs. Um, that were very, very fancy and um, we made
0: all the dresses for them. Oh, that must have been Um, fun to do that.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I, at first for a really long time I resisted really learning how to sew because it seemed so technical to me, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, years later when I started kind of picking up sewing again, um, you know, I realized a lot of, a lot of that knowledge that my mom taught me was still with me. I just had you know stored it away for later I wasn't ready I think to really follow direction that well at that point (laughs) that's probably good
0: yeah yeah so and it sounds like it all came out eventually you know you had to be ready to embrace sewing machine
1: yeah and I think it's nice also to like you know kind of learn in your own way Mm -hmm. um you know sometimes there isn't really a right way you know, people always try and tell you if there is, but I think sometimes you can, you know, think of ways that are better, that are better for you, you right. know, and everyone learns differently, so, you know, even, even though I, I had a hard time learning things technically the right way, I, I just kind of, like, you know, faked, faked it, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally I would figure out a way to do it myself.
0: Well, it's, I remember that um, in your high school experience, you were able to um, kind of have an abbreviated high school experience, which I did. <laughs> seemed to work for you. So tell us a little bit about that.
1: Um, I left high school after my sophomore year to go to a small college called Simon's Rock College, which is part of Bard um, in the Northeast. And... It's a um, it's a special college. It's it's a real college. not like a you know pre college or anything like that. You can start um, you start you know going to college right after either your sophomore or junior year of high school. Um, and the idea basically is that you know people do learn differently, and there are some people who just don't adapt well to the, you know, sort of traditional high school model of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean that they're not smart or capable or something like that. It just means that they, you know, they want to learn something differently. So um, I found out about it just by, I had taken the PSDT as, I guess, my freshman year, and um, I just hated high school so much. <laughs> and I, um, I... Did really, I found out I did really well on them, and I got this thing in the mail that was just like this little postcard, and it just said, um, you know, how would you like to go to college after your sophomore year of high school? And I was like, I would love nothing more. <laughs> 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 so I applied, and I got in. And so um, you were
0: how old when you left for school for college then? Um, I was 15. I was almost 16. Okay, so you had completed two years of high school. Yeah. Okay. And so what was that, what was that like um, when you got to campus? Did you find a bunch of people that, were, um, that you could relate to better than at your high school?
1: Yeah, it's very intense because it's so many people who, like, for some reason or another, just didn't really get along very well in high school. And, you know, suddenly you just throw all of them together and they're like, Oh, my God, <laughs> there are other people, you know, like, I can actually relate to some of these people. So, do, so do, you feel,
0: do you feel like it kind of took the, um, cause a lot about, a lot of, a big part of high school is the whole social, uh, you know, the cliques and you have, you know, the jocks and the nerds and the, or actually nerds is kind of a dated term now. Does anyone even say that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they do, you know? <laughs> yeah. We are totally outing ourselves as ladies in our thirties, but, um, you know, <laughs> but I still consider my, we're still young, you know, but it's really funny. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think the lingo's changed a tad, but, um. But, yeah, I mean, do you feel like that really just um, gave you some freedom that you didn't have? Because you didn't have to worry about if someone knew that your guest jeans were from the secondhand shop or, you know, the fact that you're not totally into the whole um, clicking nature of what's going on. I mean, you could just focus on learning what you wanted to learn and be who you were. I mean, is that really what opened up to you at that point? I mean, what was that like to get?
1: Well, I mean, I think there were definitely still, there were still clicks. They were, you know, there were different kinds of clicks. But, um, you know, I think, like, people found other people that they, you know, got along with or understood a little bit better. It was, you know, a really small school, Mm -hmm. and it was pretty intense. A lot of the classes were really small. So it was sort of easier to just find people that you could talk to. Um, You know, and they encouraged people, I think, to, like, learn more about each other than in high school. I think in high school people are very, like, they take everyone at face value.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, it's
1: hard to get out of, like, one click, you know, and into another.
0: Right. So it was a more mature learning environment, it sounds like. Where yeah. You, I mean, the kids are still, like, 16 and 17, but, you know, they're, um, I guess, being challenged intellectually in a way that they might not have been in their high school. Right, definitely. Yeah. So what did you study?
1: Um, I mostly did art history classes with a concentration on women's studies. And that was sort of when I started thinking a lot about, you know, sort of the intellectual side of craft and, you know, like what is craft versus what is art. And, you know, like if I make something with fabric, is that considered art or is it craft and that sort of thing. Um, You know, there was a lot of discussion about that in women's studies classes. Um, especially the ones that I took um, at Simon's Rock, because the the art history um, the head of the art history department was also teaching a lot of women's studies classes. So it was really amazing that it just fit in so well with everything I wanted to learn.
0: Oh, that's cool. So for the first time, you were able to really tailor your education to what right. you wanted to to kind of the direction you wanted to go in life.
1: Yeah, it was really amazing. You know, there were like so many things that I just didn't care about in high school and you know you have to just take you know it's like oh I don't want to take gym (laughs) you know I don't want to take chemistry I want to learn about you know women artists in the 1960s (laughs) you know and just to be able to actually learn that was pretty amazing.
0: That is the best part about college is that you can take you know I took a class like the history of rock and roll and um, I mean, stuff that you never imagined that you would have an option. Like in high school, you're not taking the history of rock and roll, you're taking world history, you know, which I think is important, very, very important that we all take world history. But, you know, it's just kind of cool when you can kind of go with a niche thing that strikes oh, your yeah. fancy. So um, so you were, you were able to graduate then from college. How old were you when you graduated from college?
1: Um, well, <laughs> I took a couple of breaks. So um, I think I was... I was probably actually, like, 23 so when I graduated.
0: So you went to school, like, how, before your first break, you... When did you take your first break, and what did you do?
1: Um, I went... Well, it, it started off not as being a break, but um, my junior year um, at Simon's Rock, they really encourage people to leave their junior year because it is such a small school. Um, you know, you get a little bit of cabin fever there sometimes, so... Um, I went to Brazil, and my intention was to go for one semester and then go back, and I got kind of um, lost in Brazil, I think. <laughs> um, I just started traveling, and I was like, you know, I called my mom, and I was like, I can't come back yet. <laughs> now <that laughs> I don't what, want
0: to go back to Massachusetts. Okay, so you were like, what, 17 at the time? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so... You- I can't imagine if my daughter, one of my daughters at seventeen calls me from Brazil and says, I can't come back yet. Someone tells me, your mom's an understanding lady, because I would have been on the next plane over saying, honey, you're coming home now.
1: Yeah. Well, at that point, you know, they had, they had lost me a couple of years Well, that's true. They had a couple of years to get so. away.
0: Yeah. See, I have to, uh, clearly I have to start prepping now, I think, for my kids yeah. to go away to school. I they think, were
1: used to it at that point.
0: Yeah. I'm going to have a little trouble, I think. But anyway, So you were um, in Brazil. What was it about Brazil that captivated you?
1: Um, I just, I, I, for some reason at that point, um, I really didn't want to do the, um, you know, sort of typical, like, backpacking
0: around Europe thing. Which is kind of cliche just, in a way. Yeah, I say that out I mean, of jealousy because I have never done that. <laughs> right, yeah. Now yeah. I'm actually like, why didn't I go to Europe Yeah, too? I, but, I do have that regret to myself. Um... But yeah,
1: I just, I, it was actually, well, speaking of moms, it was funny because it was between India and Brazil and my mom was like, please don't go to India.
0: <laughs>
1: so she you felt know, safer. that there's anything
0: wrong with no, she going does, to India. She felt safer to have you in Brazil, is that? Somehow,
1: yes. She decided Brazil was much safer and, um, you know, I would, I had to take, Slightly fewer shots, then I did have to take an awful lot of shots
0: to go to Brazil. <laughs> well, that's one of the drawbacks to travel is that there are some shots involved, you know. Yes. Yeah. So um, so you're going around Brazil, and uh, how long were, did you end up staying? Um, I stayed
1: for about, I stayed for like nine months. Um, I was going to stay for longer, but I had a, um, I was traveling with one other person and he um, sort of disappeared.
0: (laughs) Oh, goodness. Did you Uh, ever see him again? Did he show up at some point? No, I actually never saw him again. Oh, goodness. He was was part of
1: my my group because I went, you know, originally with with, with a school. Right. And, you know, we were taking classes, and we had a host family and all sorts of things like that. Um, But we decided to – everyone else left and went back to the United States, and we were like, we're staying and um he just kind of decided he was done i guess oh my goodness wow <laughs> so then of course there was another call to my mom like <laughs> i'm coming home now so but then so. you did, but
0: then you didn't or did you come home at that point
1: no i did i moved i actually moved back to connecticut okay. okay and um you know sort of i i got a little um i think you know when i got back to connecticut i sort of got kind of stuck for a little bit in Connecticut, and, um, you know, just, it was hard to go back to school, and, you know, I had been in Brazil for nine months, and it was hard to, like, just go straight back to, you know, another semester of school. What did you do when you got back to
0: Connecticut? Um, I basically just worked,
1: and I ended up getting, I I, um, just coincidentally ended up getting a job, at this little boutique. And they had a bunch of stores around the country. And um, they had a, a visual manager who worked at, um, you know, who came into all the different stores and would do the windows and do the interiors of the stores. And that was when I started um, getting into that side of things. I had never even known that that was an actual
0: job. <laughs> right, you know,
1: I think I we just I don't imagined. know who I, who I thought was doing the windows. but Like
0: little um, elves come in and yeah. set <laughs> up these windows in glorious ways and then leave in the middle of the night, yeah.
1: Um, and I think I just was like, you know, one day, hey, can you, talk, you know, can you teach me what you do? I just wanted, you know, it looks really fun, and I would love to learn. And, you know, little by little, he just gave me more responsibilities until finally, you know, he'd be like, We had two windows, and he'd be like, you know, I'm going to do one, you do the other
0: one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was great. So that's when you decided that um, you had found your calling, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, because it was just, you know, it was really creative and um, interesting, and I could use so many different, um, you know, craft and artistic techniques. But also, you know, theres it's a job.
0: Right, it's actually <laughs> paying, think, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, growing up in a family that didn't have a lot of money, you know, you don't ever, you always have that idea in the back of your head, like, well, I do have to find a real job at some point. Like, I can't just, you know, sort of, I can't, like, you know, bum around Brazil for the rest of my life. <laughs>
0: So that was your. So you had you kind of found um, a new calling then at that point. And what did you do after you uh, discovered that this was something you wanted to pursue professionally?
1: Um, I decided to go back to school um, and major, actually, major in visual merchandising um, in New York. In okay. the city. So
0: where did you and, actually go?
1: Um, I went to a really small school called LIM, um, which. And they basically have, they have two majors. One is fashion merchandising and one is visual merchandising. And most people actually do fashion merchandising. So I had a really great teacher, and I, I had her almost, like, to myself. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty
0: amazing. Yeah, that's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, she, you know, also kind of just took me under her wing and was like, you know, you, you seem like you're really serious about this you know, let me teach
0: you everything, so. Wow, um, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, it was great, and I got, I ended up getting an internship, um, I think my last semester there, that ended up being, you know, sort of my first real job outside of college.
0: And what were you doing for that internship?
1: There, the company I work for is a fabric company called Daisian, and they specialize in fabric for, Um, the entertainment and events industry so it's a lot of like velvets and you know like sequins
0: (laughs) that's pretty awesome Um, and so your job was to market that fabric like or I mean merchandise the fabric so when people came in to buy it they could kind of see it in cool displays kind of thing
1: yeah we would do different um, we had a showroom and we would do different displays all the time and um, you know we would have like sort of Shows every year. Whenever there were big like textile shows in the city, we would have shows in our showroom and you know have people in and stuff like that. And it was it was mostly like you know big orders to the trade.
0: So these were like um, so when you say big orders, were they doing like uh, theater curtains kind of thing? Or I mean, yeah. yeah,
1: So like thousands of yards of velvet and that kind of thing. Wow. But, I mean, you know, some things were are, were smaller like. You know, we would have people come in who were buying fabric for, like, big, giant weddings or, you know, big, huge, like, gala events and that sort of thing. Um, so it was cool. I mean, it was all, you know, kind of glitzy, over-the-top fabric,
0: but it was fun. And were you able was... to snag any of that fabric to, like, yeah. reupholster your couch <laughs> in sequins or something?
1: Well, uh. I, had a, um, I had an ottoman that I covered in, like, a Dalmat- Dalmatian print velvet.
0: Ah uh, yes, so,
1: <laughs> you know, and it was like you know the, I guess the mid er, mid nineties. <laughs> so that was more you know a thing
0: then. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I think it's quirky. I think that's cool, you know. Yeah, because I think anytime you can walk into somebody's house and you know it's um it has a distinct something. You know, and if there's a whole, it sounds like you're the you're the type of person that can well, you can merchandise, you know, and and set things up. So you probably have some cool installations. So, yeah, well, I'm
1: always like, I'm very very involved in making my house. Like my house has to be, you know, my way. <laughs> and um, sometimes well, my husband is very very good at understanding about that sort of thing, but um. You know, I, I can never, like, move into a house and, like, leave the walls unpainted or, you know, like, not hang things up on the wall. Even if I know I'm only going to stay for, like, a year, it just has to be done.
0: <laughs> well, I think that's great, especially if you know what you're doing when it comes to, you can pick out great fabrics that match with, you know, great, you know, um, just your little pillows and all that going on instead of just having a, a cluttered mess. Um, yeah,
1: I love I love doing all that stuff. I mean... For me, it's kind of it's one of those like never-ending things. Where, it's always
0: kind of changing a little bit. Yeah,
1: like I get to one, you know, I get to a point, and then I'm like, I hate it. Let's change the whole thing. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> well, I guess you're used to um, also being in a business where you know the the, the window changes quite frequently in a store. So, you, do you feel like you have to change up your surroundings as it? Yeah, you're...
1: I think so. Like, I think I have a quicker like. Um, Like, my attention span maybe is very short or something like that. Is it by seasons that you
0: try to redecorate or by seasons, or is it just whenever it occurs to you to change something?
1: I guess it's whenever it occurs to me. I don't pay that much attention, I think, in my own house to the seasons. Um, But, yeah, I mean, like, my kitchen for a while was very, like, 1950s. And then I just was like, I hate the 1950s. I want it to be Scandinavian and modern, you know. And I just will suddenly decide, like, I hate a paint color. And then, you know, it just has to get changed. I can't think about anything else. I'll just walk into the room and just be like, I hate this room.
0: (laughs) So for you, it's like in order to get anything else done, you have to address the room situation. (laughs) Yes,
1: yes, definitely. (laughs) And, you know, I mean, it's like from working in display and visuals you know we would change whole rooms all the time so it's like you just think oh it's not going to take that long
0: it's not a big deal right because you've done this a million times for work right Right. and like when I look around at my cluttered office right here and I think man I could really use some help um and I think this is going to be a major undertaking (laughs) yeah (laughs) so so you were working um at the at the store that for um selling the huge quantities of of fabric to the glitz and glamorous folks. Yeah. And then uh, from there, you got a pretty interesting job after that, which I think. Can you tell I us did. about that? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, um, the fabric company sort of did a, a major overhaul, and they moved. They actually closed down the showroom and moved everyone out to New Jersey. So I was commuting from Connecticut to New Jersey every day, which was insane.
0: Which is how many and, hours? Um, how many hours was mm-hmm. that? How many hours were you?
1: Um, Well, sometimes I would get a ride with my boss. <laughs> so it was like, but still, it was two hours in the car each way. Oh, my goodness. And then if I had to take public transportation, it was more like three.
0: Well, I, Apparently, you and your boss got along really well. Like a, the there's time. a lot of people out there who would not want to be in a car for four hours a day with their boss. Yeah. I
1: mean,
0: sometimes I <laughs> would actually just fall asleep. Oh, my goodness. So you trusted your boss, too, to get you there safely. You know, that's yes. funny. So you? I, would, I think I was also
1: too young at that point to realize that I probably shouldn't just fall asleep in the car with, next to my boss. But it <laughs> never occurred to me back that. <laughs>
0: So you live you know. to tell about it, and um, so that is, that. yeah, geez, and so how long did you last making that commute?
1: Not very long. I think I lasted a few months. Oh, my and, goodness. Um, I thought
0: you were going to say, like, a few days, but no, no a, few, a few months? My goodness. I was a
1: trooper. And they, I'll say. And you know, they changed my whole job, and, you know, my job became more office-related, and, um, I, you know, you hit that wall, I think, at some jobs, especially, I haven't had an office job in so long, but, you know from what I hear. From <laughs> you <laughs> what know, your people, friends tell you, yeah. People just kind of, like, stop working. And, you know, And I, I basically just, like, surf the Internet all day long. And <laughs> um, that was kind of when I got back into, um, it, I was sort of getting back into crafting anyway. Um, and I was just sort of, like, aimlessly searching the Internet, looking for, like, you know, something. Like, I, I guess I didn't really know what I was looking for, but I was, just looking maybe for other people who you know were young and kind of like cool, but were also crafty. And um, I just sort of eventually stumbled upon um, Get Crafty, um, which was one of the one of the earliest um, websites you know devoted to sort of that kind of
0: craft. And so that was what year? Do you remember? Um. Oh geez <laughs> I'm, It's okay if you don't, because about how old were you? That might be easier to remember that. I think,
1: I would say it was probably nine years ago, ten years ago. Okay. It was in that, it was in that, that range. Um,
0: So you're kind of surfing around and.
1: Yeah, so I just found it and it was, you know, I found the message boards and, you know, I just, read through them for, like, a few days before I, like, got involved at all, and I was just like, these people are amazing. I had no idea that there were other, you know, cool, crafty people. I just had no
0: clue. So when you found, you made this discovery, it sounds like it absolutely changed your life.
1: It really did. Like, the whole thing kind of just spun, you know, like, I decided I was going to quit my job, and, you know, I was going to, like, you know, start actually looking for something that was more me, and, um, you know, eventually I, you know, I was like, I'm going to move to New York, I got to get out of Connecticut, I have to get out of this job, <laughs> so um, I ended up applying for a job in anthropology, and um, I actually applied just, I was like, oh, I'll take any job there, you know, like, I just want to get in you know, to that company, and I will take anything, and um, I just really lucked out because I interviewed with the district visual manager for all of New York and Connecticut, and we just had this, like, you know, amazing relationship from the start, and Sue
0: just was like, I want to hire you.
1: <laughs> That's and I said, awesome. Okay, you know, fine. That
0: sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> no, compl- yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so right from the start it sounds like you had you 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 made the connection that was going to be the connection that would land you in the job you wanted.
1: Yeah, so I started working as a visual manager in um the Greenwich, Connecticut store. It is a, a pretty small store, but um you know, I knew that Eventually, it would get me into New York because it's so close to New York, um, and they told me you know at some point like you know it's kind of a, a jump start to go into the one of the new york stores
0: well and what was that job like Because I know if just any of anyone who's seen the catalogs i mean they 're amazing, and I love the handcrafted, I mean, everything's, like, there's always some kind of artistic and crafty element to, it seems like every single shot that's in that catalog, and even though I cannot afford to buy all those clothes. I
1: can't either anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's so
0: inspiring to look at, like, in fact, I can't really think of another catalog unless I'm overlooking something major here that I react to the same way, Mm -hmm. because it's almost like I'll be like, okay, great, those clothes are really awesome, but man, Look at the, I know one of the recent ones had a room that looked like it was knitted,
1: yeah. and it was like the
0: backdrop of, for the, the, the model was in, in the shot, and I just thought, "Wow. <laughs> I mean, I just yeah. kept looking at the page and, being, and noticing more little details. So I always keep those, those around for a long time um, and you know go back and look just to, I mean, because I find them really inspiring. I, I love the, the work they do. So what was that like to be part of the team putting those together?
1: It was really amazing. I mean, the store is kind of similar in that, um, you know, we always have some, always have a few really big displays that we're working on, um, and the windows change pretty often, and they're usually a major undertaking. Um, so I was in charge of the display at merchandising of the store, and we had a team. Um, it was a pretty small team in, in Greenwich. It was only, it was like two and a half of us. <laughs> Um, <laughs> two and a and, half. <laughs> so we had one one person who was
0: part time. <laughs> I figured so much. It was like a half person because that would yeah. be hard to um, to function.
1: Um, but you know, everything is handmade, so you know we would have to like build you know giant trees made out of books, and we
0: would wait, wait, really... wait. You made giant trees made out of books. Yeah. How like exactly just... do you do that?
1: <laughs> um. we would like you know open up the book. In different ways, and just kind of like pile them on top of each other. So
0: that would be like the leaf part, or was a whole entire tree made out of books? Like the trunk, the trunk of the tree too. Hmm. The The tree trunk was also made out of books. Yes. Wow, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, or you know, we would do like giant crochet projects. Like you know, it would be like a sweater, but it was like you know. 10 feet tall, or, I mean... Oh, my goodness. So, did you use,
0: like, gigantic hooks to do that kind of thing? Um, some of those, I think we did, you know, it would
1: be, like, some of it was hand crocheted, and then some of it we would use, like, old sweaters and things Oh, okay.
0: Like that. Okay.
1: Um, but, you know, just, like, they would tell us, we would get directions from um, the home office, which is in uh, Philadelphia, and they would really. The best part about it is they really encouraged people to um, use the direction kind of as a starting point.
0: Okay. They really wanted
1: people. They want all the stores to look um, a little different, you know, so that like you go into one store, like you, you don't just go into one store and say like, oh, I've been into every, you know, Anthropology, like right. Every,
0: so it would be a every unique store experience. Is, like, a discovery. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. So the so as an employee, you had a lot of freedom then. Oh, definitely. To do yeah. kind of unleash your own creative, you know, vision, for the for it within reason. It sounds like.
1: Yeah, I yeah. mean, there was definitely like <laughs> there were things that you couldn't do, but you know, I mean, you could really like the best part about it, I think, was just like it was the, the finding inspiration and brainstorming mm-hmm. part, of, you know, because you could just sit with your team and just you know kind of throw out ideas and bounce ideas off each other and you know. That was really fun to just, like, have a group of people to really, um, you know, because you start with one idea, and it can go in a million different ways, and it's really cool to see how that happens.
0: So are most of the people art majors that are in that line of work, or do you have some people who are, um, you know, coming from other backgrounds and just happen to be really crafty and artistic?
1: They had a lot of different um, people. I mean, they tend to actually not hire people who who have had a lot of – you know, who were kind of, like, in typical merchandising jobs.
0: Okay. because they they would
1: hire people who were art majors. We had, you know, like, some film people, like people who had worked in, like, the costume or the set department. Okay. Um, There are a lot of, you know, like, prop and photo stylists who work there, Um, like textile designers, that sort of thing.
0: Wow. So what a great mix of people to be hanging out with
1: yeah it's really great, and everyone brings you know something different to the table, So, mm-hmm. you know you have some people who are really, really crafty who are you know like, Oh, I want to make knit things or I love sewing you know and then you have some people who are really good at construction who can make you know pretty much anything like who could be, you know just build a house in the store for you,
0: wow, if you need
1: that so that's it's awesome, pretty cool. yeah
0: so. You, you were in that job for how long? Um,
1: about four and a half years. And um, eventually I just, you know, it was, a, it was really a great experience. And I actually still freelance for them, um, just so I can, you know, kind of keep my foot in all the creative uh, stuff going on there. At one point I just decided, you know, I just really need to try and, you know, make it on my own originally i i had this whole idea that i was going to quit and i was going to you know just stay home and make things all day long and sell them at craft fairs and that didn't really work
0: (laughs) did you go to a craft fair and find that it wasn't for you or what happened
1: um i mean i i've always i had sold at a bunch of craft fairs like um you know i i sold at all the renegade craft fairs in Brooklyn and. I had done a bunch of other craft fairs that were sort of in that vein, like the indie craft fair sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I'm not someone who can make multiples of things. Um, I like to make one-of-a-kind things. And I, you know, I start making one thing and I'm just like, okay, I out how to do it and I like this and I would like to move on now. (laughs) And that's not something you can do if you want to sell things.
0: Right, right, and also you know it's a lot more time consuming if you're dreaming up a whole new concept for every item too. You know, yeah,
1: so. and I would have to charge. You know, I would make things and be like, okay, I'm gonna have to charge five hundred dollars.
0: Right, and if you're at Renegade and the and the person at the next table is charging forty for their you know, you know, apron or whatever. Um, yeah, you might have a hard time competing with the uh, reeling in the shoppers at that price. Yeah, so,
1: yeah. Just, it, it just wasn't for me, I think. But, you know, I did learn really quickly that I love I loved working sort of in craft for a living, and I wanted to do something that was, you know, related to craft. I just, like, needed to find something different than just making things and
0: selling things. And so how did you go about finding that other thing
1: well, I I started working, actually, at Adorn Magazine, and um, I knew Linda Perman, who mm-hmm. um, was the craft editor there, just from, um, like, at Crafty uh, meetups and, like, the whole craft community in New York. So um, I was lucky enough to just, you know, meet with Christina, who is the editor there, and, um, you know, show her my portfolio and talk to her and um, they hired me as a uh, prop stylist so I started working for them and um, you know as I I worked on the first issue and then you know they'd be like oh can you make a couple of the projects this this time around and then like the next issue they'd be like can you make more projects <laughs> and then I started working on the blog so I just got really involved in working at Adorn, and it's very sad that it's gone, but, um... Yeah,
0: it is really sad, because I I like that magazine, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, Uh, you know, I mean, it was, like, just such a great experience, because it was such a cool, creative magazine, and, you know, it was kind of similar to Anthropology, in that, you know, it was, like, a really great team environment, where, like, people were just kind of, like, bouncing ideas off each other, and, you know, talking about, like oh, this would be cool if you did it like this, and, you know, um, that was when I was really like, okay, this is what I like to do. Because I had never actually, um, you know, I had never written any instructions before, or, you know, like attempted to show people how to actually make things. Mm-hmm.
0: So this is so a great experience. So it really
1: clicked, like, oh, I actually really like this. This is what I think I'm, you know, really good at, you know, because I only have to make – I. Just get to make one thing and then teach other people how to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do fifty carbon copies, right? But, and by by that point, when you were um, working with Adorn, had you you already started your website? Um, yeah, I think I started
1: my blog um, like just after I left anthropology, probably like in the end of that summer. Um, I took a little time off just to sort of, like, figure out what I was doing with myself. Right. And, um, you know, I also just, I decided I wanted a blog. And, um, you know, it's, there were so many blogs out there, and I just was, you know, trying to figure out how to make my blog stand out. And um, I decided really early on that I would have, like, a few a few rules, but I didn't ever want to complain too much about anything. I wanted everything to be positive. And, you know, not pick apart things. And they also wanted to try not to be too product-driven, um, because I feel like there are a lot of those blogs, which I like and I read, but I felt like there were enough of those out there, of, you know, people saying, like, oh, this, you know, buy this great thing on Etsy, or, like, buy this really cool thing that this person makes. Right. So I wanted right. it to be more, like, art and inspiration and just kind of, like, how I get you know my
0: creative process and where it comes from mm-hmm. and you call it um thisisloveforever.com Yeah And how did you come with the name?
1: Um well my um it's actually from uh my husband and I our wedding rings also they just say love forever on them and when we first got the I can't remember which happened first the name or the name on the ring or the name of the business <laughs> But at one point, we were making a lot of things together. Um, And I think we were just trying to think of... It probably happened around the same time that we were thinking of something that we wanted to put on our wedding ring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were like, well, Love Forever is cute. And then I was, you know, at one point, we were like, that's a cute name for a business, too. (laughs) Yeah, it is um, really cute. Yeah, so when, um, when I started the blog... I believe Love Forever as a website is already taken. And I thought, this is Love Forever. It's, it's kind of a nice, like, it's sort of whimsical and it doesn't tie me down to one kind of thing. Like, I can talk about art and fashion and, you know, crafts and whatever. And, I, you know, it's not called, like, crochet something or sewing something. Like, I can do whatever I want with it.
0: Right. Right. So it, le- it leaves you some freedom to kind of decide what direction you want to go in well I think it's great that you were able to like you put so much thought into what you're going to do because I think a lot of times people kind of you know start the blog and I know I did probably a little bit of this myself too where I well I know I did you know you kind of fumble <laughs> around like trying to figure out okay what am I actually doing here so you since you had already been in the craft world you know kind of or the art and craft was a big part of your life you kind of gave some thought to that and then jumped in with a clear idea of what you wanted to accomplish. And how, is yeah. it, how has that changed your life to have your blog and have contact with readers?
1: Um, It's just amazing. I mean, the Internet is so amazing to me all the time because, I mean, that's how I first found everyone. You know, ha- I would say, like, at least half of my friends in New York are people that I met online through Get Crafty. Um, and then, you know, later... I have all these friends all over the country and all over the world who I met through my blog, and that's pretty amazing. Um, I just went to um, Renegade San Francisco, and there were so many people I knew there from, you know, San Francisco and LA, and um, pretty much all over. And even people who came up to me at my table who were just like, "I read your blog. I love you," you know. And I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> That's cool. I mean, it's kind of weird, but it's also kind of, it's just amazing. And especially when it's like, you know, someone who you also, you know, read their blog and love their stuff too. It's like this, you know, you have this mutual admiration and, you know, you can, like, how else would I have ever found that person?
0: Right. I mean, it is amazing how it just connects people that you wouldn't have any other way of meeting. And yeah, it's, uh, I know we wouldn't be talking.
1: No, if, not enough. The I internet. mean, so many things that, you know, I have in my life would not exist without, you know, having, like, this amazing craft blog and, you know, website community.
0: And so it sounds like um, when you were at Adorn, that's when the, actually the door opened for you to write the book, Complete Embellishing, Techniques and Projects. Yeah. So ex- um, tell us a little bit about how that came to be.
1: Well, the book is actually published by a British publisher um, called Collins and Brown. And um, they, uh, w- my editor there um, at Collins and Brown had actually worked um, in New York for the same company that puts out Adorn. And um, they were looking for someone to write this book. And they, they, I guess they had had someone even who was writing it before, and they were really looking to just kind of get more involved in, you know, like, what people in the crafting blog world are up to and, you know, people who post projects on Flickr. Like, they wanted to get involved in that world a lot more. So they contacted um, Christina at Adorn, and Christina recommended me, and it just worked out. <laughs> and so it was pretty amazing because, I mean, it just really, for me, it came... Totally out of the blue, you know, like, oh, I'm going to write a book. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: and you were, did this really quickly, I understand.
1: I did. Yeah, it was, um, It was like, probably, I don't want anyone to think that I rushed it, because I really didn't. Well, read. I
0: was really surprised when you told me, because <laughs> how long did you say you wrote, you, you basically hold you were just holed up in your house, like, did not yeah, do anything else. Yeah, I
1: wrote it in, like, two months and did all the projects. Which is um, fast,
0: but... Um, you know, but, you know, and with my, my lifestyle as a newspaper reporter, um, I'm always on a daily deadline and I do my craft column in like three hours and, you know, then just hope for the best. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I do try to put a little more care into it, but it, you know, it's, it comes out pretty quickly. Um, so when yeah. you focused on a project, I mean, you focused on this book project and pretty much made it your sole responsibility. And were you still had, had at that time at Adorn already stopped publishing, or were you it still had. Going, It okay. was
1: actually like almost exactly at the same time. Okay, so I guess so, it worked.
0: It, it The timing w- worked out to be pretty good for you because if you didn't have the job at Adorn anymore, you could focus right. on this project. And I had
1: actually been working at, I usually do a lot of, I help out at anthropology during the holiday season. Okay. So I had just finished working there too because usually things stop, you know, around Thanksgiving right. as far as like visual display goes. So I actually started working on the book like the day before Thanksgiving and I flew out to do the photo shoot on January 7th or 10th or something like that and I brought I had I had tipped out all the projects but I brought you know like this suitcase full of like fabric and and all sorts of stuff with
0: me to help merchandise the photos yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you're like the perfect person to have along on a photo shoot i'm sure <laughs> they were probably thrilled you know um to have somebody that could actually i mean this is what you do this is what you yeah. excel at so this had to be really cool for was it fun to be there for the photo shoot was it it
1: was i mean i actually wasn't i wasn't the um the stylist for this book because um because it was in london And it was just, it would have been so hard, you know, when you're a stylist, you have to bring, like, you know, piles and piles and piles of clothing, because, you know, for every outfit, you have to sort of offer, you know, like, five different options. Oh, goodness. So... You know, I knew there was no way I could ever bring, you know, I can't bring that much stuff with me to London. You would have had so, to come over
0: on a boat with a big crate of stuff. Yeah, just me. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: Just me in a boat full of clothes. Wow. But um, I did all the uh, how-to shots for the book, okay. and I was the hand model as well. <laughs> well, that's cool.
0: So you have yeah. literally your hand is in this book, literally. So you yes. were, you were <laughs> able to um, be, and it's interesting because it, it came out first in the United States because it's out now. In the States. Right. But it's not out yet overseas. So that's, it that's interesting. It
1: should be out, um, yeah, within the next couple of weeks. Okay. So, um, in, in the UK and the rest of Europe.
0: Well, that's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited because it's like a whole, you know, I got all excited about the first release and now I get to get all excited again for the, you know, UK and European release.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about what's in your book because um I know that what I thought was really cool is that you're taking you're basically you can take and the whole point of of what you're trying and I don't want to put words into your mouth here, but um what's really nice about this is you can basically take your closet of clothes and really have quite a good time with without buying any anything new. And combining your, you know, craft supplies and, you know, whatever you have in your, you know, your stash. And we all have them. And you're showing people how they can really take things up a notch and really um, just embellish to the 10th power here. And feel like there's a little bounce in your step as you go out to your, you know, for dinner that evening or whatever, with whatever, with something that you might have made just a few hours before. Definitely. (laughs) And uh, so so talk a little bit about what you're hoping that people kind of get from this. What were you really trying to show people in your book here?
1: Um, I think, you know, what you just said that, you know, people could, you don't have to go out and buy something new, you can, you know, make some of the things that you have just lying around, you know, like, everyone has, like, sweaters in the back of their closets or, um, you know, I have, like, all these skirts that are just, like, stuffed into, you know, corners of my closet that you don't wear them and, you know, you're like, why do I even have this? But, I mean, you can do something amazing to those things. And, you know, um, I used to, or still often do, um, you know, sometimes I go through my closet and I'm like, oh, I don't like anything in here. And if I have a couple hours before I go out, I can make a totally new outfit. And, um, you know, I mean, you can even, like, do some sort of embellishing on, on one thing and then, like, change it slightly, you know, like a couple months later. Right. I just want people to, to know that, like, they can, you know, make something really cool without – you don't have to make something from scratch or, you know, go out and buy, like, yards and yards of fabric and all these different tools and, you know, all sorts of things. But so you can just take, like, a T-shirt and, you know, do something really cool to it.
0: Well, and I think there's almost something more sa- more satisfying in some respects when you take something that – is in your closet and something you didn't go out and pay for, you know, like go and say, I need a new outfit and go out and spend $50 to a hundred dollars on some outfit. To, to take something you already own and turn it into something really fabulous kind of I think that that's really quite a kick um, to be yeah, able to do definitely. that and not have to spend the big money, maybe no money well you, you've already bought these supplies at some point in your life you know you made the <laughs> initial investment, but nothing beyond that and I think that's really pretty cool and so readers are going to have a great time with this book um, if yeah. they haven't seen it I already. mean I'm
1: always my happiest like if I you know make something myself. And someone asks me, you know, like, where did you get that? And I'm like, oh, I made it, you know. Like, it's so cool to
0: be able to yes. say that. Yes, yes, and then have people not really, they can't tell that you made it, which is really kind of cool, you know. It, you know, it doesn't look like, oh, that's about to fall apart, you know. <laughs> it's really right. high quality. Um, so you're, you're yeah. covering everything from um, applique. You even have some painting and etching that you're, you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's not just all things you can wear. Um, it's all about embellishment, and uh, you've done some interesting things with yo-yos, transforming a... I yeah,
1: love yo and, and
0: really kind of um, embracing the yo-yo um, and, and embellishing uh, <laughs> the yoke of a blouse there um, or making it into something completely different than what you started with. And did this um, blouse in the book have sleeves when you started, or did you just take a tank type?
1: It had a different um, yoke to it, okay. and I just, um, like, I seemed... I used a the seam ripper to take the yoke off. Okay. It was just like a simple yoke that was about the same. It was like the same fabric as um, the blouse.
0: Now, do you have any... Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You oh, were with that. Oh, I just...
1: You know, with things like that, I always think... You know, I think people think something like a yo-yo, and they're like, oh, country quilts and that sort of thing, like grandma kind of thing. Not that there's anything wrong with that, because I love grandma style, too. Yeah, <laughs> but,
0: yeah, um, yeah.
1: You know, it's cool to think, like, oh, yo-yos are actually really sculptural. You know, they're really pretty, and you could make them into all different kinds of things. You don't need to just use them for one thing. And, you know, sometimes you can, like, I know I've, I buy on eBay, I buy all these lots of, um, you know, like vintage quilt material and that sort of thing. And sometimes you can, like, really score and get like thousands of (laughs) yo-yos
0: oh yeah and they take a long time to make like if you're going to make all of them yourself that would take a while yeah so you're able to um you know reap the the benefits of someone who had them and didn't know what to do with them or get tired of them (laughs) well do you have advice for people who um maybe are eyeing their closet um or maybe they're walking through a secondhand shop um or their friends about ready to throw out a bunch, pitch out a bunch of clothes, and you know you see something, and you're like, okay, I have this thing, but I think what happens, I know what happens to me is I'll have the intention of like kind of re, you know, re, like, refashioning something, but then there's that moment where. Because I haven't done a whole lot of it, I kind of hesitate. And I'm like, hmm, you know, if I cut the sleeves off, I can't really get them back on the same way. Or um, (laughs) if I cut this skirt, I have a skirt that I'm actually going to be dismantling. And um, I got it on sale and it was like this deeply discounted skirt. And it's way too big. But I thought, I can make two aprons out of this and Mm -hmm. want to embellish it and all that good stuff. But the thing is, when I look at it and I have my scissors in my hand or the seam ripper and I'm kind of like, you know, maybe tomorrow because you can only really do this once, you know I mean? You you know, so do you have any advice for people who are, you know, they pick up your book and they're like, okay, these are great ideas. Now I got to make that first cut or rip that first seam.
1: I think part of it is just, like, going for it, you know, just, like, not having any fear and just feeling, you know, because, I mean, a lot of the time it's things that, you weren't really using anyway.
0: Exactly. You know it's
1: like, oh, it's this t shirt that's too big or right. you know, it isn't that flattering? It's like you're not using it anyway. <laughs> right. And
0: isn't it funny how we can suddenly become very attached to those things in their current state when we're about to yeah. hack them up with scissors. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, if you really destroy things, which I have done many times before, you know, you can always use the them as just raw material. Right. Like, the fabric for something
0: else, you know. Or yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, if you
1: destroy a sweater, you can cut up the sweater and use it for felt for you know, something else.
0: Right. So So I
1: think a lot of it is just, like, I mean, I do it myself, so I always have to say this to myself. Like, just cut, you know, or just (laughs) go for it. Because, you know, I mean, it's it's generally things that you aren't really using in any way. Right. um, I think another fun thing to do is have you know, like, kind of have a a group of people over to work on things together.
0: Right, so you can Um, kind of ask for some advice. Yeah,
1: I always like the whole aspect of, of teamwork, especially in crafting, and, you know, you get advice from people, but you also can just kind of get creative ideas, and I think once you kind of get a group of people together, you get more into it, it seems more like a fun thing to do, and you know, maybe you're more likely to just start cutting than, you know, sit by yourself and think about it for a long time. Right,
0: because you have kind of the group to say, all right sister, cut that sweater. All right, do it, do it now. The peer pressure, (laughs) the craft peer pressure um, to kind of just make the first cut, yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, everything from your interesting use of doilies to, I mean, just the, um, you know, using the fusible webbing, and you can do some great cool things with that. You, you Take a oh, um, you call it the romance skirt, where you're uh, embellishing just uh, floral pattern onto a skirt to really transform the whole look of the piece. And mm-hmm. you know, it's really interesting too how you're you can really dress up something that might seem very plain, you know, and kind of elevate just these everyday things in your closet. And I think especially in this economy. That is so wonderful for people, to empower people. I don't know if you've even realized the gift you've given the craft world because I think what's really great about this is, you know, in this economy, I know in West Michigan things are not, um, Michigan has one of the worst economies in the country right now, and I think it's really wonderful to be able to flip open a book and then go to your closet and say, okay, I have some ribbon, and I'm actually looking at the um, really cool skirt, um, prize ribbon skirt on page 91, Mm. which is really fun because you've taken – a basic brown skirt. and What is this made out of? I don't remember. Uh, it's like a
1: tweed, like a wool tweed. Yeah, and
0: this is something that you can definitely find something like this even at Goodwill or in somebody. You know, oh yeah, there's so you know. many of them there's at a, Goodwill. Yeah, and I mean you can take you put these really brightly colored ribbons and you know sew them in the front, made this great design. That it's a one of a kind skirt and so fabulous that um, nice. you know it just it's it takes it to a whole other level that you know you just can't achieve. You could walk past a whole room full of people in your brown skirt and no one's going to really notice. But then, you know, when you, you put on those stripes, man, that's pretty, that's a one-of-a-kind, totally rad <laughs> outfit. And I think that's
1: yeah. really Well, and also, awesome. like, I want people to, you know, sort of take the techniques, which is why there were, you know, the whole first half is dedicated to techniques. But, you know, if you don't have ribbon, you could use lace or rickrack mm-hmm. or... Um, you know, you could crochet something and make stripes with it or something like that. Like, you don't, you don't necessarily have to make exactly what I made, but, you know, the technique is there for you to learn and sort of, you know, kind of get a starting off point. And then you, I want people to really, you know, feel like they can do whatever they want with their old skirt or their, you know, t-shirt that they want to transform
0: Right. Well, then that's the really awesome thing, too, about this book is that you really, even if you want to, you really can't make exactly the same project because, I mean, you're working with clothes that you found someplace and, um, or you know, purchased for the, you know, people can't just go in their closet and be like, okay, I'm going to do this exact thing exactly the same way. (laughs) And I think the fact that it's almost impossible to do the exact same thing is really great in a way, because at first people will be like, oh, because there are some people that really do like to use the exact same yarn, exact same color
1: You know, and craft
0: that way, but I think that this book really opens the door for people that might be reluctant to kind of break away from doing exactly what the pattern calls for, uh, because there's so much room and so much freedom to move here and kind of bring Mm -hmm. your own creativity into it. So I think that's really great that you're, and just explaining so many different techniques that people can then adapt to, um, to really have fun with their their clothes they have in their own closet and uh, go kind of wild with it. So. Uh, it's got to be, I mean, how do you feel now? You have this first book out, and it sounds like you weren't even actually shopping around an idea to a publisher, so that's always a great way to get a book published, you know? You I have, know. <laughs> you know, they kind of come to you, and you're, you know, um, now working on a second book, I understand. I am. So that's pretty exciting. So did you yeah, get it? Yeah, it's
1: really exciting. I mean, it just was, you know, such a great experience, and, you know, it's so amazing because it's like, when the, you know, it's like you, you know that you have a book coming out, and then when this box of books arrives in your apartment and you open it up and you're like, wow. <laughs>
0: I really have a book.
1: Yeah. yeah, like I can actually hold this book in my hand and turn the pages, you know.
0: That's pretty, That's pretty g- amazing. Yeah, and so did you have a break in between Book Project 1 and Book Project 2? Not did... a big one. Are you working but... with the same publisher?
1: Um, no, I'm actually, um, I'm working with Chronicle, which is really exciting.
0: Very exciting. They have some great yeah. books. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Um, because they were sort of my, uh, they were like my holy grail.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Well, congratulations yeah. that you've made it Thank to the you. holy grail for, yeah. you know, that's always great when you get to work with the, you know, you, you, you that was your goal and you did it. So awesome. So did you pitch an idea then? Is that how the second one yeah, came? Yeah,
1: that, at this point I have a, I had an, got an agent and, you know, I've been actually pitching books. So I'm, I'm doing things, the, I guess the right way now, <laughs> yeah. but, um. Yeah, so the book it's going to be all about appliqué and um it comes out fall 2009.
0: Okay, very cool. Yeah. So all appliqué. So everything mm-hmm. you want to know ever about appliqué.
1: Yes, but it's very, <laughs> you know, it's really broad. There are a lot of different, you know, techniques involving appliqué, so it's not just like, you know, okay, you're going to now you're going to sew another piece of fabric to this thing. Like, you know, it's a lot of different kinds, reverse appliqué and using felt and using recycled sweaters and doilies. You know, a lot of the things that I like working
0: with. That's cool. So you're... Yeah. And I think, well, applique, I'm really into applique right now. So I am excited to hear that because um, applique is really fun. And so is it going to be as an embellishment? Applique is intended to embellish or applique with quilting applications? Or are you kind of coming at it from all fronts?
1: Kind of from from all fronts. Like there will be a few things that are uh, not... Actual traditional quilt. Okay. But there will be some projects that are using sort of more traditional applique technique. Okay. And then ones that are more modern, and um, I, there will be actually a few contributors—12 um, different contributors—to the book too. So oh, excellent! Me, I'm doing um, most of the projects, but then there'll be. Wait. So um,
0: you're doing most of people. the projects, and then there's 12 other people. How many projects are you going to have in there? <laughs> My goodness. <laughs>
1: A lot. I mean, not a ton, but like, a good
0: oh, amount. Like, it'll, well, oh, my God. Are you doing 12 projects of your own, or is it going to be more than 12 that you... Can... It'll be more, yeah, more than 12. Wow. This so. is my kind I of craft it's, book. It's around 30, like, about 35. That's great. So. Yeah, I love it Yeah, when I'm overwhelmed with project ideas. Um, <laughs> but the problem is, I'm sitting in a room, and I have... I am a total, like, craft book, like, nut, and I... Have more projects that I want to do than I will ever complete in my lifetime. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I but <laughs> yeah, but it's so inspiring though to be able to pick up these books and page through and you know it's, and refer back to them. So it's really great. So I'm excited about not only your first book but your second book and um, yeah. And then do you have a third book in the works too? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe soon. I don't know. <laughs> so you're, um, you're working on book projects, and what are you doing? Do, do you have another job that you go to, or are you really doing freelance work, still working with that? Um,
1: uh... I just do freelance work, but um, I've been working a lot for a new magazine called Craft Stylist, and they have a website and, and a print magazine. Um, so I've been doing some styling for them, and also doing a lot of projects, and I um, am a contributor on their blog. So that takes up a lot of my time. Yeah, I can too. imagine. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, I have not seen Craft Stylish yet. I need to. I've seen their website, but I have not seen the print form. So I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, you should definitely look. at yeah, The magazine that is really great. It's. Um, Who's the publisher you know, for that magazine? It's, uh, Taunton. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. They do uh. Threads um, yeah. magazine. Yeah. yeah. It's so stylish. Okay. Um
1: and they they're kind of, you know, in a similar vein to Adorn. It's sort of, you know, geared towards the omni crafter, to people who, you know, really like to make everything and, you know, kind of see crafting as a lifestyle. There seem um, to be a
0: lot of us out there that Yeah. yeah I that, mean,
1: I think that's really like what the modern crafter is. You know, it's I, a lot of people you know, don't just do, like, crochet or don't just knit. Like, there are people who try everything now. Yeah, I think, the, I think knitters, so the knitters
0: the knitters are starting to do other things besides knit, which is kind of cool because they seem to be the, um, the people that have stuck the longest to one thing, you know, and there's yeah. legions <laughs> of knitters, you know. No, and they're great at it, you know, and they have, like, the biggest, um, I think, of all the crafters. Uh, there are a lot of knitters out there, but it's really interesting because I'm hearing more knitters saying, oh, you know, I'm trying to incorporate crochet into my knitting, which I think is so great. You know, when people branch out. But there's also some serious benefits to sticking with one thing, though, too. Because if you just have a yarn stash and not a fabric stash and a yarn stash and, oh, your glue guns and all this kind of stuff, (laughs) you know? I know. I have
1: stashes for – I mean, I even have yarn stashes even though I don't actually even (laughs) – I
0: hardly knit. <laughs> yeah, well, my stashes have stashes. Okay, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's pretty serious, but um, yeah, it's it's. But I think it's really fun to bounce between the things. So it sounds like you found a great way to to really find your your calling in life. You know, to be a crafty woman and actually make a living doing it, which is wonderful. Congratulations!
1: Thank you. Yeah, it's, yeah, it gets easier. The first year was pretty hard, but. It gets easier every year. <laughs> yeah,
0: now, are you married to an artist or a crafty guy too, or is... um, My husband actually is very crafty. yeah, he, was,
1: um, yeah, he does silk screening and um, he does a lot of other kind of strange things, like he brews he his own beer.
0: <laughs> oh excellent.
1: but and he actually taught me how to crochet. really when we first met. Yeah, very cool,
0: so then you knew you had a keeper.
1: I did, yeah. That was imme- crush- it. Was immediate. Like he was. I think the second time I met him, he was wearing a scarf that he had made himself. Oh wow! And I was like, I like this guy
0: a lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Where did you
0: meet him? Where did you meet your husband?
1: Um, I met him through through other friends.
0: Okay, and so how long have you yeah. guys been married?
1: Um, we have been married for two years and a few months.
0: Okay, excellent! Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And that's great to have someone in your life that understands your lifestyle with the whole, you know, crafting obsession, you know, that's really cool, you know, why must yeah, I mean he's
1: sold with me at a couple of craft fairs. So he understands I mean, when we were both selling at craft fairs, like one room was completely covered in silk screens and paint and like the other room was covered in like you know, little pieces of fabric.
0: <laughs> and it all made perfect sense to you guys.
1: Yeah. yeah and I that's mean great. we were both like the house looks insane but there's nothing we can do about
0: it. <laughs> we'll clean it up after the show. Yeah, yeah you, pretty much. And you just hope you come back with nothing after the show. Like you sell out completely yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you think as far as like the you know the future of crafting I mean do you think what direction do you think it's going to take because it seems like sewing is really all the rage right now because it seems like when things first started to get, the crafty scene really started heating up. knitting has been really big, and um, you know now people seem to be gravitating toward their sewing machines, which I think is fabulous mm-hmm. uh, what do you think uh where, where do you think we're headed next?
1: It seems like people are just learning all these new techniques like you know there was there were a lot of Suddenly, there are a lot of printmaking books that
0: are out. Yes, I just you know. I just reviewed um, Lena Corwin's. I hope I'm saying her mm-hmm. name right. Am I saying her name right? I hope I'm. Saying I think it. so. Okay. <laughs> that would be really bad. I'm not like giving her a plug, and I mispronounce her name. Um, <laughs> wouldn't be the first time. But <laughs> but and and uh, Lotus. Yeah, Lotus book. Yeah, Lotus has a great book, and um, yeah, hers came out a little bit before uh, Lena's, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just just, it's so, I, I love these print books, because it's like, okay, now I can make my own fabric, and then sew with it, what, I mean, how great is that, right? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I think, like, in that sort of, you know, the, the the vein that things are moving into, like, you can, you know, sort of start from scratch, and make everything yourself, which is so cool, like, you know, you can, I mean, I guess at some point, we will all have to, well, there was the craft uh, issue about weaving. Yeah. I <laughs> you was... can weave your own fabric and then print it and then sew a dress.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I am a weaver. I have, like, a floor loom, and my looms have looms. Like, they gave birth to baby looms. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but, um, yeah. That's, and, see, that's the problem is I have these visions of going from, like, sheep to you know, the uh, spinning and then weaving and then all this because I have all these all this equipment to do all these things. I just don't have the time in the day. <laughs>
1: yeah, but, but it, I know. I wish days were like forty-eight or. You know, sixty hours long. Yeah, or especially or I didn't if you need to sleep. I don't know. Yeah,
0: especially <laughs> if you're not working for somebody else. Like if you can just yeah. uh, have your own time, your leisure time could be extended. Um, that would be wonderful. But you're right, though. It is really interesting how people are trying to do learn the whole process. Like they don't want to just buy yarn so much. I mean, there's a lot of people wanting to make spin their own yarn. And I remember when I mean, I, I just it seems like ten years ago I got into felting and. I was taking workshops at like Fiber Fest, you know, trying or learning from people who were coming to the Weavers Guild meetings and um you had to go to a special it's almost like you had to know a special knock on a door to get a a, a needle <laughs> for felting, you know, for needle felting. And now you can go to the corner craft store. And walk in and buy these things because they're you know it's it's out there you know major yeah. major craft manufacturers are having you know, the suppliers are making these items easy to find in the marketplace, which has made it really kind of cool. So people don't have to like wait for that once annual. Um, festival to go and talk to people who know how to do this stuff or order it online and not really know what they're doing, you know, <laughs> when mm-hmm. they get it. So it's kind of cool to see how this has become more mainstream. So do you think macrame is going to come back full force next? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking, I'm just trying to think of, like, what hasn't come back, you know, like full force. And I'm thinking, I haven't seen a lot of people doing latch hook. Um, I've seen yeah, not yet. The latch hook with polo. But I'm d-
1: sure they will. Yeah. So, I mean, I de- yeah, I definitely think people are just sort of like oh, show me more craft techniques, you know, like right. I know how to do a few things and I just want to learn more. Why do, you think think that, why do you
0: think that is? I mean, why? I mean, I know you and I have been crafty all our lives, so maybe we're not even the people to answer this question, but what do you think? I mean, why, why do you think people are wanting to be crafty at this, I mean, with such a fierce, like, thirst for it at this point? I
1: think that, I mean, I think it kind of ties into the whole, you know, general DIY lifestyle where... You know, a lot of people are really wanting to, you know, just make everything themselves or at least learn, you know, like where things are coming from. You know, I actually just got back from my, um, I belong to a CSA. Which is uh community supported agriculture, yeah,
0: I just went to my cSA today too oh yes, I, was eating, <laughs> That's funny. I was eating watermelon from the cSA oh we, yeah, we got got yeah, we got a watermelon today too cantaloupe and um yeah, yeah, I just came back from my from
1: volunteering a couple of hours ago for them, and um you know, I just see more and more people getting involved in that sort of thing, you know I mean I'm sure some of it is the economy and some of it is more and more depleted uh, you know natural resources and You know, just people wanting to be more um, educated about where things come from and, you know, what they're putting into their bodies or what they're putting on their bodies and that sort of thing.
0: I agree. I mean, because I think it's, you know, for me this has always been something that I valued, you know, being able to make something. I got a great deal of satisfaction from that at a small, Mm -hmm. at a pretty young age. But it brings me so much joy to see people, you know, coming together um, and, you know, just wanting to learn how to do these things. And, yeah, so I, I really hope that we all can keep this going, like, indefinitely. Me too. <laughs> because, I would love that. <laughs> yeah, I think it's great, and I love it when I see new craft books coming out. And and it's great, the variety that's out there. And I think everyone brings something really cool to the table. You know, if you have something you're passionate about, by all means pursue it, because it sounds like your path was, you know, when you were you know, 14 years old and feeling like, man— this is kind of tough, you know? Um, I mean, it, it's like you you found the direction, you know, that that brochure came in the mail from the school that turned out to be the perfect place for you at that point in your life, and that led you in a whole other direction. Um, do you think that if you would have gone to the traditional high school, do you think that you'd be in a different place right now, or do you think you would have eventually have found your way to where you are right now? I
1: probably at this point would have been you know would have found my way but I think it would have taken maybe a little bit longer because you know I think I think I was you know sort of at a point in high school where I was just like ugh I don't even want to go. I don't want to go to school anymore. Yeah, and that's and, see, and
0: that's the part that that's uh, there's a, probably a lot of kids out there that feel that way, or maybe some of the moms or dads of kids that are saying that. You know, the school just started, and you know, they're thinking, man, I don't want to do this. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you can look for opportunities that might be a little non traditional that um, sometimes can really make all the difference in the world. So yeah, that's great that you were able to to pursue that. So it's it sounds like, and now you're making fantastic contributions to the craft world so i think that's (laughs) i want to thank you on behalf of all the crafters out there for what you're doing oh you're welcome (laughs) wonderful and we'll keep following you on your blog uh this is love forever i got that right yeah okay and um (laughs) and um complete embellishing techniques and projects is in bookstores now and um if you happen to be overseas in england and you want to check out the the version there what is it called overseas it's
1: called uh creative embellishing okay
0: so pretty pretty close but um yeah and what happened is the publisher in england sold the rights to creative home arts here in the united states is that how that worked that, yeah okay so that's why in case people were wondering why are there different titles and what's going on
1: yeah, yeah and you know there's like you know the uk market things test differently than they do in the u.s market and I guess people like things complete here and they like things creative there. I don't know.
0: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So is the book going to look about the same or just the layout's different? And um, have you been able-
1: the, Some of the design is different. Okay. It's a square book instead of a rectangular book. Okay. Um, and there's just one photo on the front.
0: Oh, okay. But,
1: um, but all the projects are the same and, you know, all the techniques are the same. The whole content is the same.
0: Well, I'm excited for you. Your first book and um, your second one in the works. So you're on your way. But you, yeah, don't, you, don't need, so. you don't need me to tell you that I think I think you're um, you're very well established so that's wonderful and I'm and again I thank you for your, your patience um, certainly take two. I think I think we um, I think we both did a great job second time here yeah I think I think we definitely nailed it <laughs> I think <time>. we did <laughs> I'm glad we had the rehearsal <laughs> So is there anything else that you'd like the folks at home to know about you and your your work?
1: Um, well, there's one other thing that um, I am uh, part of an Etsy group um, of sellers in New York called the, uh, the New New Group, which is uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. So we're the, we're the tri-state area. Um, and we are actually doing a couple of shows coming up featuring um, all the work of the, the members of the New New, New Group. Well, first our the blog is the new dot blogspot dot com okay we're going to have a uh, a holiday show in the city on uh December thirteenth
0: Okay, so you guys are gonna so, Well, you guys are busy yeah, <laughs> so are you making a lot of stuff to sell then, or are you going to be selling copies of your book doing a signing? Um, I think for the one in September, I'm mostly
1: going to have copies of my book and you know just a few other things that I have to sell um. The holiday one I'll I'll go into full holiday gear for that
0: one. <laughs> what do you plan on making?
1: Um, I'm not sure yet. I always I always have some new thing that I'm working on, but I usually do um I do a lot of like patchwork, um kind of collage style things. Like clothing um, or
0: other things?
1: Um some some actual like pieces of art that oh, are yeah. collage. Cool. And then some, I do, like, tote bags and coasters and eye pillows and pin cushions. So it's all a lot of, like, little fabricy accessories and that sort of like thing.
0: Perfect stocking stuffers for people. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Great for holiday. <laughs> yeah, and you can get, I mean, in sticking with what you really love to do is you can make a bunch of little things, and they're not all, you know, the same pincushion, you know. So that'll be fun. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I like using a lot of vintage fabrics and that sort of thing. So, you know, kind of by their name, like they can't all be the same just because, you know, I only have like a scrap of this one fabric or something like that. Mm, so, that's really yeah.
0: awesome. So it sounds like you're going to have fun with that. And, uh, yeah. Well, I'm really well, glad we got a chance to talk again. Me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, next time I have you on the show, though, I want it to be new material. Like, we're talking about your next book, okay? Um, right. So I'm going to do my best to make sure that that is what happens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> special thanks to Kate for being such a great guest and, again, for her patience and agreeing to spend another 90 minutes with me. I really appreciate it, Kate. You did a great job. And if you'd like to get into the drawing to win a copy of Kate's book, Complete Embellishing Techniques and Projects, go to craftsanity.com and leave a comment under the write-up for podcast episode 87. Tell me about embellishing, anything embellishing related. Um, What have you embellished lately? What do you hope to embellish? What questions do you have regarding this? Let's try to kind of get a discussion going about embellishment. Post your comment by Sunday, October 26th, and we'll do the drawing and announce the winner. Speaking of winners, Lori in Massachusetts was the winner of the So Betty fabric. Thanks to all of you for entering. It was really fun to read all of your ideas for the talented So Betty team to possibly take up and make into fabric. And thank you folks for contributing the fabric. Check out the so Betty store. There's a link from CraftSanity.com if you're looking for some unique fabric. And again, I'd like to thank Lisa Clark for sponsoring this episode of Craft Sanity. Lisa is the maker of jewelry and accessories and very lovely designer buttons that you can find over at polkadotcottage.com. Lisa makes buttons in a variety of eye-catching color schemes, and many of these buttons are created to coordinate with popular fabric collections. So head on over to polkadotcottage.com and read Lisa's blog at lisaclark.net. Thanks again, Lisa. I really appreciate your support. If you'd like to become a sponsor of an upcoming episode of the Craft Sanity podcast, visit craftsanity.com and click on the sponsors link and you'll get some information there. A few housekeeping things before I let you go. I am still working on the submission guidelines and we will have those up very soon. For those of you who want to can start contributing to craftsanity.com. As I announced in my last podcast, I am going to be taking submissions because I want this to be a place where we can kind of just have... More content that's craft-related, and there's so many things that come across my desk that I just can't get to myself because I still have a day job, and I am a mom, and I do a lot of things, just like all of you do. We're all doing quite a bit. Since I can't do it all myself, I'm thinking there's a lot of talented people out there, and I'd love for you to be part of this. Also, I'm very excited to report that, yeah, that Amy Butler show. We're getting close to the Amy Butler massive giveaway. Uh, Also, just interviewed Anna Maria Horner yesterday for the second time about her new book, Seems to Me which is fabulous, so look forward to that soon. I'll get those out as quickly as I can. For those of you who are local, I wanted to let you know that I'm going to be on WZZM Channel 13 here in Grand Rapids, their live morning show, Thursday at 9 a.m. The show goes from 9 to 10, and I don't know exactly what time I'm going to be on, but I'm going to be demonstrating some Halloween craft projects on Thursday. They just asked me to do this last week, and... I hope it goes well. (laughs) This is not a live podcast. I can edit. I would be lying if I said I didn't have some uh, concerns about how I will do on live TV. I'm going to try really hard to do well. I never have aspired to be on TV, so this is not really anything I planned to do as a craft journalist. However, I think it will be a fun opportunity to get... More attention for crafting here in West Michigan. Hopefully recruit some craft club members because I'm going to try to announce that. I'm only going to get four minutes. <laughs> I can't even do a podcast intro in four minutes. So it's going to be really crazy. I, I can't even think about it. I still am in kind of a state of shock that I only have four minutes. To try to tell people how to do, they asked me to do several projects. <laughs> so I can barely say my long name in four minutes. So we'll we'll see how this goes. If it's online somewhere and I don't look like too big of an idiot, I'll put the link on my website. I'm going to wear an apron. I have a special Halloween apron that says I practice stitchcraft" that I really like. Uh, I don't think I'll have time to make a new one before Thursday, but we'll see. So yeah, so think happy thoughts for me on Thursday. I'm going to need all the good karma I can get that day. I'm not going to do an after show today because I've rambled on long enough. I will be back just as soon as I can with another episode. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store.
1: Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback, email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.